Look, thousands of Americans are dying a day. Our lives have been turned upside down, and they're doing nothing in Washington. David Perdue had his chance, but he was too busy looking after his stock portfolio. And now he's blocking relief for the rest of us. We can defeat this virus by listening to doctors and scientists. We can pass direct economic relief. We can get our daily lives back, but only if we vote. I'm John Ossoff, and I approve this message. Now there's a brand new web page, especially for this podcast. The Politocrat Daily Podcast can now be found on thepolitocrat.com. A brand new page that centralizes all of the places that you can listen to this podcast. The major platforms and many others at thepolitocrat.com. Lots of content that you can see there right now and every single day. So subscribe now to the Politocrat Daily Podcast and make sure you visit thepolitocrat.com. Thank you. People sometimes ask me why a pastor would decide to run for the U.S. Senate. My answer is simple. I've always felt that my impact does not stop at the church door. That's actually where it starts. And I love this country and believe that what makes America so great is that we've always had a path to make it greater. I'm Raphael Warnock, and whether you congregate in a church, synagogue, or at kitchen tables across Georgia, we can all agree that Washington could use some moral leadership. That's why I approve this message. I'm Omar Moore. It is Tuesday, January the 5th, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, Sweet Georgia Brown. The aim today is to make it Sweet Georgia Blue. As the polls are open in the great state of Georgia, two immensely important and consequential U.S. Senate runoff races that will really determine how this country travels in the next few years to come. And Joe Biden's presidency will pretty much be shaped by these two Senate races. Plus, Boris Johnson and the sociopathic nature of he and his behavior around coronavirus and the national lockdown in England. All of that coming up next. Vote Georgia Vote. That is the refrain today in Georgia as polls have opened in this very important and momentous political date on the calendar here in the United States. 
If it's Tuesday, January the 5th, 2021, it is election time in Georgia. Something that we've not seen for quite some time, at least to the best of my memory in the United States, are two Senate runoff races in the same state on the same day. That is not something that I can remember ever seeing here in the United States, at least for a good many years. Today, Georgia voters are voting to decide whether or not they want to have a democratically controlled Senate. That is exactly what this is all about today. Whether they want a higher amount for a stimulus check or whether they want less of an amount for a stimulus check. Whether they want a successful presidency from the incoming president-elect Joe Biden, or whether they want a presidency to flounder, whether they want to have Mitch McConnell continue to be the majority leader of the Senate and block bills and block all of the legislation that would help millions of people in America, or whether they want Chuck Schumer as the majority leader in the Senate who will get things passed and get this country moving and working for the average person. Whether they want to have federal court judges that are actually competent and who aren't extremist. Whether they want to have Supreme Court picks that will preserve a woman's right to choose. That is just some of what is on the line right now during this very important day of voting in Georgia. If Georgia voters elect John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock, they will see some change in the U.S. Senate. The Democrats will have the majority And it will be something very significant because it has been a little while since the Democrats had control of the Senate. And they only had that control for a very, very brief time during Obama's administration. It was a literally maybe 75 day stretch of the year 2010. When the Democrats did have control of the Senate, it was very brief. We have an opportunity here. And I am confident that Georgia voters will do the right thing today. Reverend Raphael Warnock has run a very good campaign. Good-natured, civil, focused. And I also would say that John Ossoff has run very much that same kind of campaign, but I think he's gone a little bit more on the attack, I think it's fair to say, against his opponent. He has been aggressive, and he's also been very much 
about sending a very clear and unequivocal message about the stakes. So I definitely think that John Ossoff has really put himself forward as a young firebrand, if you will, who is committed to really changing things and shaking things up. Reverend Warnock has too, but I think he's much more reserved in some ways, perhaps. Everybody has a different style, not critiquing, or I should say I'm not attacking it. Um, I'm critiquing and just comparing, as we all do as human beings. But I am very confident that sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours, we will find that we have a democratically controlled Senate. What would happen should both Warnock and Ossoff win is that we would have a 50 Republican, 50 Democratic Senate with Kamala Harris, the vice president, coming in in just 15 days as the tie-breaking vote. And she would be the president of the Senate as people who have taken civics remember. The vice president of the United States is also the president of the Senate. And that would mean that Kamala Harris would cast the tie-breaking vote. And of course, Kamala Harris herself will soon no longer be a United States senator from California in just a couple of weeks' time as we get closer and closer to Inauguration Day. But today is a huge day in the state of Georgia. So much has gone on there over the last 12 months. We are nearing the one-year commemoration of the murder and execution of Ahmad Arbery by a mob of three white men who set upon him like a pack of dogs. And absolutely assassinated him, lynched him. In the cold light of day, I might add, on top of everything else. A Sunday in Georgia during February of last year. Rayshard Brooks, during the summer of last year, executed by police. The whole thing was caught on video. Shot in the back at least twice as he was running away from the police. And of course, not too long after that, the passing of the American hero and icon, John Lewis. Who, of course, represented Georgia with decency, honor and statesmanship during the course of a near 35 plus year career. in the United States Congress as a House of Representative member. Today, Georgia, it is time for you to make good trouble, necessary trouble. Make sure you vote. Vote your voice, vote your passion, 
Vote your belief. But most of all, vote Ossoff and Warnock. The stakes could not be higher for Georgia and for the entire United States of America. It really is time to make Georgia sweet Georgia blue once again, as the great state of Georgia did just a couple of months ago when it elected Joe Biden to the presidency. You've seen all that has happened these last few days. You've seen an outgoing criminal try to shake down the Georgia Secretary of State. You've seen that, or at least you've heard it. A crime being committed right before your eyes. So much has happened in the state of Georgia and around the world over these last 12 months. It is time for Georgia voters to go ahead and do the right thing today. Polls are open now through 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today. One word to Georgia voters. If you are standing in line and you have not yet voted and it's 7 p.m. Eastern Time today, do not leave the line. You will still be allowed to vote. I want to repeat that once again for those of you in Georgia who are planning to vote today. If you are in line, but you have not yet been able to vote, and it is 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, you will still be able to vote. Stay in line. If people come up to you and tell you that you can't vote, they are lying to you. The state of Georgia has made it very clear that if you are in line tonight and it is 7 p.m. and you're still waiting to vote, you will be able to vote. Do not leave the line. Stay where you are. It is worth repeating that because there will be people who will try to spread rumors and lies and deceptions in order to vote or suppress. Make no mistake, that is something that is being done in Georgia. And still, with my confidence, I still do look at the voter suppression angle of things because it certainly plays a role. Mitch McConnell's dark money may or may not play a role. But as Tia Mitchell said, not yesterday, but in the previous appearance last year on this podcast, that both of the Republican candidates do not need Mitch McConnell's money, particularly Kelly Leffler, because she has a treasure trove of money of her own, and that's what she's spending in this race. The time is now, Georgia. You have a unique opportunity to actually vote 
in the best interests of yourself, in the best interests of the country, and quite frankly, in the best interests of this planet. And excuse me for sounding a little bit lofty, but it is very clear right now to the world that the Republican Party is not a criminal, is not a party, it's definitely criminal, but it is not a political party is what I'm trying to say. It is absolutely a gang of thugs and criminals. And they are going to show you that tomorrow as well, as they've been showing you it for 60 years now. If you want to look back to Richard Nixon, if you want to look back to that treason that he committed in 1968 that never got accounted for, There is no use in voting for a party that puts its own interests ahead of yours. There's no use in voting for a party that puts its own interests ahead of the American public's interest. It just doesn't make sense. And I hope that Georgia voters understand that voting for the Democratic Party is the right thing to do. So please, Georgia, you have a few hours. Make it count today. Let's make this sweet Georgia blue. When I return, Boris Johnson and the lockdown across the nation of England. The weeks ahead will be the hardest yet, but I really do believe that we're entering the last phase of the struggle because with every jab that goes into our arms, we are tilting the odds against COVID and in favor of the British people. And thanks to the miracle of science, not only is the end in sight, but we know exactly how we will get there. But for now, I'm afraid you must once again stay at home, protect the NHS, and save lives. Thank you all very much. That was Boris Johnson, the United Kingdom's Prime Minister. Last night, during a speech to the nation, where he reinstated a national lockdown across England, Last night, Boris Johnson outlined that. And as I watched the prime minister of my native country outline this lockdown that would begin, literally, is already underway now. I sat not with any kind of shock or surprise, but more with anger and disappointment and sadness. Not that I was disappointed in Boris Johnson. It's difficult to be disappointed in somebody who, for 30 plus years, has shown you exactly who he is. What I was disappointed about was the lengths to which the strings are being pulled. The fact that people, in some circles, don't seem to see that Boris Johnson has been the one 
that has caused untold damage to the psyche of a nation. And people now are so bewildered, confused, angry, fearful, and fatigued in England that they do not know which way is up. They've had enough of the hypocrisy. They've had enough of the lies. They've had enough of the broken promises. They've had enough of the bluster and the grandstanding. And they've had enough of elected officials breaking lockdown and COVID protocol rules and not being punished for it. Now, Yesterday, there was a politician from the Scottish National Party, the SNP, who actually was arrested by Scottish police for her own breaking of the lockdown rules. But it was more than just breaking the rules. She had tested positive for coronavirus. The story was that she had a positive test. But... She had before knowing that and knowing that she wasn't well, traveled on a train from Westminster back to Scotland, I believe, somewhere in Scotland, Glasgow, perhaps. And she was waiting for her test results and she wasn't feeling well. Or so the story goes. I believe that's exactly how it happened. She was not feeling well. Yet she traveled. And while she got that, waited for that test, she traveled. Turned out that when she got the test results, because she had been tested, turned out that she was actually positive for coronavirus. Which means that during the time she traveled and before that, she potentially spread that virus to a lot of people that she would have come into contact with. Certainly when you are at the House of Commons in Westminster or thereabouts, you do come into a contact with a lot of people. Now, of course, with the COVID protocol, you're going to have far less people you come in contact with. But if you are, assuming that she was in the chamber, there's still a number of members of parliament, MPs, whom are in that chamber, even physically distanced that still can pose a problem when you have people sitting without masks on because they are not ordered to wear masks inside the House of Commons during the actual sessions. And so if this MP, and I forget her name, but if this particular MP had been in that chamber, she was infectious Boris Johnson has been an abject disaster, an abject failure. And what I see now in my native country is absolutely terrifying. First of all, I feel very much for people there right now. The situation is awful. And in, strangely enough, in some ways, it's actually worse 
not because of the number of lives lost, because certainly we here in the United States hold that title. Not that it's a race that we want to win. The exceptionalism argument is long dead in my view. And I use a word there that's probably an ill-advised one to use. Speaking of dead, we now have over 350,000 people who have died from coronavirus in the United States of America and roughly 2 million people worldwide who have died from coronavirus. In England right now, close to 77,000 people have died from coronavirus. I believe that's either in England or the entire United Kingdom. I'm not 100% sure. But all I know is that that is a lot of lives lost. A lot of people no longer with us. Boris Johnson could have reduced this outcome. Boris Johnson could have reduced this outcome of lives lost. The new variant that has been infecting lots of younger people at rapid record rates, the variant that contributed to this lockdown in the first place yesterday, the variant that has traveled through the southeast of England, through London, and has spread to other parts of England in general. The variant that now finds itself here in California and in Colorado and in several other states and in several other countries. Boris Johnson had known about this new variant in September of 2020. Samples had been tested, and he was informed about this in September and in October of 2020. Boris Johnson did not tell the English public anything about this new variant when he found out about it in September and in October of 2020. And quite frankly, the English press should be making a whole lot more noise about this. That for three months plus, Boris Johnson knew about this new, much more contagious, much more rapidly spreading variant. And he said nothing to the English public. That is disqualifying. And on that basis alone, he should stand down as the leader of the Conservatives and should stand down as the Prime Minister. During the month of October of 2020, Sakir Starmer, the Labour leader, the opposition leader, had requested on the floor of the House of Commons 
that Boris Johnson institute a circuit breaker lockdown. A lockdown that would alleviate or try to reduce some or as much of the virus as possible without being too draconian in terms of measures taken. Boris Johnson mocked, mocked Sakir Starmer for even having the audacity to care about people's lives. Called him Captain Hindsight. Mocked him. A few weeks later, somehow Boris Johnson decided, well, maybe I should do something about this. By the time we got to just before Christmas, another about face. After Sakia Starmer and others had been impressing upon Boris Johnson the importance of putting in stronger tier restrictions, Boris Johnson initially was very indifferent felt that Christmas should be a five-day affair where people in England mingle over the Christmas holidays for five days during a virus that's rapidly spreading in the winter. I don't want to criminalize Christmas, he said, from his lectern at one of his press conferences. That's not something I wish to do. But then, his health secretary, Matt Hancock, was the hatchet man who ended up instituting these tougher measures, piecemeal. And I just don't know why Boris Johnson thinks he has to baby sham the American public, or rather, (laughs) not the American public. Here I am in, in the United States. Boris Johnson has absolutely baby-shammed the English public. Baby-sham, and it's still available, is an alcoholic beverage that, kind of on the lighter side, if you will, in terms of alcoholic content, but it does the trick if you want a little buzz, and you can't really get drunk on baby-sham, I don't think, unless you, it's been a long time since I've had any baby-sham, but it's a cute little drink, it's a cute little drink. And you can have a couple of drinks of it and you won't be out on the floor. Well, it depends. Everybody's different with alcohol to the extent that people drink it. Some people don't drink it. Some people do. But the point I make about Baby Sham is that Baby Sham is a fairly weak alcoholic beverage for those of you who drink alcohol. And Boris Johnson has been feeding England Baby Sham for well over a year now. Not just the drink, but the sham of his premiership at number 10 Downing Street. He has been doling out little bursts of optimism, mindless optimism, not grounded in any reality. And he's been doing that ever since he got into power at number 10. The sky is falling. The infrastructure is crumbling. Brexit's a disaster, and it will be a disaster. And there he is, Boris Johnson, smiley-faced. Oh, go back to 
business and do your thing and stop being a prisoner. And I'm, I know you're fed up of government regulations. No, we're not fed up of government regulations. We're fed up of your hypocrisy and your failed leadership. That's what we're fed up of. We're fed up of you not getting rid of Dominic Cummings back in April of 2020 when he had violated the lockdown rules and drove to Durham Castle or wherever the heck it was somewhat 100 miles to test his eyesight, so he said. And that's a bunch of cobblers right there. We're fed up of the hypocrisy. The, the English public, by and large, has been exemplary behaved much better than Boris Johnson ever could during this lockdown, during this whole pandemic. The English public, by and large, and of course there's always exceptions in every country, have behaved exemplary. They've followed the rules. They've had to deal with all the inconvenience. They've lost loved ones and they haven't been able to say goodbye to them. There's so much horror that they've gone through. So much trauma mental health issues, the likes of which will be impacting the generations to come, quite frankly, not just in England, but all over the world. And all the while, you've got this clown, sociopath, named Boris Johnson, who absolutely, I think, is playing a game of chicken with the English public. He's baby shamming them. Oh, let me just give you a little bit of a dose of this, a dose of that. What the people need is Guinness, a stout, a bitter, something that will really wake them up, a Maccasin, a drink of Maccasin that will just wake you up. It's bitter, it's sharp. It hits the gut and the palate. I'm not a fan of Maccasin or Guinness, but it goes down real good with a, if you eat it, steak and all that good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm not a steak eater, but the point is, those of you who are steak eaters, you get some Maccasin and Guinness with something that you're, well, of course you can't do it now, but you remember those days. You go to your pub, you order some grub, and you have a fine pint of Guinness or some kind of thing like Maccasin. Tall, long, dark glass of bitter. And you would just drink that down. And yeah, maybe it tasted good, maybe it didn't. But you liked it. You knew where you stood. Baby Sham, a little bit more, I don't know, sweet, tidy, neat, but it doesn't really do anything for you in terms of your alcoholic journey, if you will, or your journey to alcohol rather than alcoholic journey. As they say in the trade, drink responsibly. But I don't even know what that means anymore. How can you drink responsibly 
when you have a pandemic that is absolutely out of control with people who are leading in quotes, who absolutely are taking you off a cliff, your country is dying. Brexit doesn't mean anything. Nobody cares except the people who are affected by it. It's going to affect all of us. The UK looks like a fool, thanks to Boris Johnson. And this notion of this is going to make England better and the UK better is a bunch of garbage. This deal is horrible. I'm still reading through it. This Brexit deal, it makes the United Kingdom weaker. This is a complete disaster capitalism move. And in the midst of all this, you have this clown who is a psychopath and a sociopath. I'm convinced that Boris Johnson is playing chicken with the English public. He is always reacting to these very serious situations instead of being proactive. It is a huge mistake. During one of the most deadliest pandemics we've seen in human history, for somebody to play punch and judy with you and put you on puppet strings, manipulate you here, manipulate you there. Oh, go back to school, kids. You can go back to school. I, I recommend that you go back to school. It's totally okay. That's what he said on Sunday to Andrew Marr of the BBC. It's okay. I recommend that schools stay open. You can go back to school. It's fine. It's safe. And just 24 hours later, he's on national television giving you a speech telling you that schools are closed. Primary schools are closed. Secondary schools are closed. Effective immediately. They're closed right now on Tuesday as I sit here. Primary and secondary schools in England are closed. In fact, they're closed pretty much across the four nations of the United Kingdom. All four nations now have very strict lockdown. There are only four reasons in England, for example, four or five. I can think of four of them off the top of my head. Why anybody should be outdoors at any time whatsoever. One of them is to escape domestic violence and abuse. One of them is to have your quota or portion of physical exercise. One of them is to shop for essentials that would be typically grocery shopping. One of them is also for health emergencies and medical emergencies. That was the same lockdown that Boris Johnson instituted in March of 2020. And here we are again, January the 5th now, and England is under a national lockdown that pretty much is the very same, if not a bit stricter than the previous one. And that means if you really get this right and you bypass the right wing 
Barclay Brothers and the rest of those clowns on Fleet Street who write for right-wing newspapers that like to give you this cheery, empty optimism with no logic. That we have gone backwards in England for nine months. We've gone backwards. That's the net effect of what you saw last night from Boris Johnson. That was a speech where he was telling you that he had failed as a prime minister, as a leader, as somebody who was supposed to help to curtail this virus, that he and Matt Hancock had failed you. Now, he didn't say those words. Of course, I'm saying them. But that speech last night was exactly what he was saying to you without saying the very words. Boris Johnson has failed. And I know that Sir Keir Starmer did not want to get into politics. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Wait, wait a minute now. 78,000 people have died in the United Kingdom. There is never a bad time to be talking about how Boris Johnson has failed the United Kingdom and failed England, especially. He was all cock-a-hoop to get this deal done. And in the process of getting this Brexit deal done, he made the United Kingdom weaker. This is an act of disaster capitalism where a few of his buddies are going to be making millions of pounds, maybe billions of pounds, while the rest of people, the rest of you in England, absolutely suffer. You won't be able to live and work in the EU the same way you did before as a result of this deal. You will have to have all these passport checks now as a result of this deal. There may be lots more paperwork that you have to fill out, particularly if you're someone who is a, a business owner. Trucks and lorries and you have to the, the, the Dover Calais crossing. You, you're going to have to fill out more paperwork. Really? I mean, is, is that what you voted for? I don't think anyone did. I think now everybody in England, most people want to put Brexit to bed. Walk away with the tail between the legs and quietly slink away to the truth or slink away from the truth that Brexit was a disaster and that people got fleeced by a bunch of disaster capitalists. And with the help, of course, of the right wing portion of the English news media. Boris Johnson has severely lied and misled throughout his time as a politician. He was fired for lying to the Times of London. He was fired for all manner of things. This guy is an absolute failure, a cast iron failure. And now the country is in real dire straits right now. And I am really worried about England. Very worried. This whole thing about vaccines, you know, this is another thing that is not being properly talked about. Boris Johnson is just a failure. This is a guy who refused, who I should say, 
did not attend five COBRA meetings in March and April, according to the Sunday Times. Didn't attend the meetings. Five COBRA meetings. COBRA is a group of government officials in the government who meet to discuss national security emergencies. Boris Johnson was supposed to be at these meetings and back in March and April, I believe as well, of 2020. The meetings were about responses to this virus and being proactive as well in that response, actually. There is such a thing. And he skipped five of those meetings while this pandemic was getting out of control. All this guy wants to do is sit on a throne at number 10 Downing Street and he doesn't want to pull his own weight. This guy is a complete psychopath. This guy almost died. I mean, it seems as if he's forgotten that somehow. Did you forget Prime Minister, that you were on your deathbed practically in April 2020? Have you forgotten that? Because you're behaving as if you have. You cannot be reactive. You have to quicken your reactions. You have to be proactive. You cannot wait weeks and weeks to put a national lockdown in when you should have done it back in October. You should not be soft-soaping the English public. You should be telling them the cold, hard truth. As I have said here before, Treat the English public like the adults that they are and stop treating them as if they are still seven years old. And the press, the right-wingers in the press, do the same thing. Treat people in England as if they're seven with these silly headlines appealing to a certain IQ perhaps a certain mentality, perhaps, dumbing down everything, not educating anyone. You won't see anything in these newspapers like the Daily Express, the Daily Mail and the, the, the Telegraph and, and the, these papers about the fact that the vaccine is actually not a vaccine at the moment that the scientists know of that actually gets rid of the virus. These vaccines that are out now do not get rid of coronavirus. And that is not being messaged at all by politicians and by the media. The doctors are saying it. There are doctors out there that are saying it. But the true story is that as of right now, there is no evidence that shows that these vaccines that everybody's talking about, AstraZeneca, Oxford, and Moderna, and Pfizer, BioNTech, 
There's no evidence that these vaccines actually get rid of the virus. These vaccines actually help to lessen the severity of illness that the person vaccinated might get from this virus. The vaccine is more of a tranquilizer to the illness than it is an eliminator of the virus. If you get coronavirus and you get vaccinated, what the vaccine does, according to scientists, including, I believe, Dr. Paul Parker in England, what that vaccine does is actually lessen the illness or the severe symptoms and reduces your sickness so that you don't get as sick from this virus. That's what this is. That's what these vaccines are, according to scientists right now. And of course, they're still updating and researching and doing all these things. Look, the the vaccine just went out beginning in December. So it's still very, very young. We're still very, very early on. But this is the piece of information that must be told and disseminated to the public. Much, much more. This vaccine, none of these vaccines kills the virus. None of them does. We're still constantly finding out about this virus and now this new variant that Boris Johnson had known about for three months. For three months, Boris Johnson knew about this new variant that we've all just been finding out about in the last couple of weeks. Why is he sitting on information like that for three months? Why? I would like an answer from him, from Matt Hancock or anybody in that Tory government to explain to me or anybody else why you knew in September of 2020 that there was a highly, highly contagious variant that was in existence. I am very concerned about England and all of the bluster of somebody who is psychopathic. He's psychotic. He is a complete psychopath, Boris Johnson. And it's just insane what's going on in England. It really is insane and is deeply troubling to me and deeply disturbing. Yes, England has been through the Blitz and yes, England has been through the bubonic plague and of course there have been some real challenges. Of course there have. But I don't remember any prime minister wanting to completely tank 
the country in the way that Boris Johnson is doing. I just don't remember it. Neville Chamberlain, the appeaser. I wonder what he would think of the Brexit deal. I wonder what he would think of this dangerous course that the United Kingdom is on and the irresponsible leader, in quotes, who sits in number 10, much more interested about being king than he is in actually doing any work to govern. A guy who's flouted his own coronavirus rules by posing in a photo next to an MP. No mask on, no physical distance. And that MP, it turned out later on, was positive for coronavirus. He was tested positive. Then Boris Johnson had to go and quarantine again. I mean, it's a clown show for him. He does not take this seriously. At least not from where I'm sitting. Dangling the English public on a string, on a high wire, and shaking that wire to see how many of them fall off is never a good idea. Pretty Patel can go and abuse and bully civil servants, violate the ministerial code. And Boris Johnson says, no problem. Let's form a circle or a square around the Pritster. And we will keep her as Home Secretary. Never mind the fact that she's had numerous complaints against her. Well, never mind the fact that someone who'd been in the civil service for 50 years almost had said, okay, here's my advice. She violated the ministerial code. And that results in most cases of an MP being kicked out of a cabinet. And certainly, quite frankly, Standing down, if we're really honest, should be expelled, let alone be out of the cabinet. And there she is. She's still got a job. She's still got a job in that cabinet. Home secretary. Oh, yeah, no big deal. I'm not going to get rid of a bully. I'm going to keep the bully in office. What good things has Priti Patel done? What good things has Boris Johnson done? What good things has the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, done? And where exactly does Matt Hancock, the Health Secretary, sit in all of this? This is the Health Secretary that told people in England, told nurses in England, to wear one mask. Do not hog the mask. Do not wear more than one mask. You have to reuse that one. It's what he told people last year. You don't have to believe me. The headlines, go and search it. It's exactly what he told nurses. And they were up in arms, and rightly so, talking to the NHS and telling nurses, you just don't use too many of those. Wear the same one. You're going to have to go light on those masks. And then you're sending stuff. You're sending all this PPE to China. It's like it's ridiculous. Michael Gove gets up there and says, oh, he's the chancellor of the duchy of Lancashire. 
or Lancaster, I believe. Lancaster, not Lancashire. Lancashire is more north, I think. Yeah, it's more north, northwest. Lancashire is, you know, Manchester, Liverpool, you know, that whole area. Burnley, if you're in northwestern England, that's, that's where Lancashire is. So the, the Chancellor of the Duchy, Michael Gove, who is part of the Vote Leave campaign, is out there saying, oh, no, you know, there's not. Uh, this is just so crazy. Oh, no, we didn't we didn't ship any PPE to China. And, and then he then he gets caught in the lie and then admits that, yes, we did. <laughs> same thing in Eng- same thing here in the U.S. Eighteen point six tons of PPE went to China. On February the 7th of 2020, Mike Pompeo, you can go, it's still online, sent a letter, issued a public statement, a public letter out, a press release, saying that 18 tons of PPE had been shipped to China. His name's on the the, the blooming press release. And on this same day, the reason I mention this is that on this same day, February 7th, 2020, Donald Trump was telling Bob Woodward, oh, this virus is no problem, you know, it's, excuse me, he was telling him the opposite. It was a deadly virus and, oh, Bob, this is really deadly. More deadly than your strenuous flus. Or I should say, he he is more deadly than, well, He was telling Bob Woodward this for a book that he wanted to look good in. Because about him, it's all about looking good. How does it benefit me, myself and I? How does it look for me? For me, 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 me. And while he was telling Bob Woodward the truth for once in his life, he was telling you and me and everyone we know that this thing was not problem it was going to go away by april when the weather gets warmer and on the same day of february 7th that is when mike pompeo and the state department shipped 18 plus tons of personal protective equipment to china weeks later here in the united states and in the united kingdom people in the front lines of healthcare working would be using, especially here in the US, hefty bags, Halloween masks, hockey masks to protect themselves while they were trying to save lives. This is all about disaster capitalism, in my view. This is all about killing off some of your population. No one's ever going to want to say that. No one's going to ever want to think that their government would do such a thing. But when you're not a student of history, you would think that. Because if you look at history, governments have done that. Nobody wants to look at these things, or at least some people do not want to look at these things. Why would you vote for this? Why would 
Boris Johnson want to make the United Kingdom poorer and worse off as a result of this Brexit deal. There's only one thing about this that makes any kind of logical sense, even though there is nothing good about making people worse off. Money, honey. I know it sounds really stupid and crude and just ugly and awful. Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not the money itself, the love of it. And I think it's really time for us to really admit that this should not have been as deadly a situation as it presently is, no matter where we are in the world. And a few people are going to make lots of money. Pharmaceutical industries will, politicians will, like Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, who, as I basically have said, you know, they engage in insider trading. Okay, they weren't charged. But of course the system's going to protect them. Of course it will. They are the system. So the system's not going to castigate itself. You've got a few millionaires and billionaires in England right now who are celebrating. And they're going to make money off these vaccines and they're going to make money off Brexit. Why would someone spend all this energy trying to get out of the European Union? Why would Nigel Farage want to do that for 30 years? Surely there's some kind of benefit for him personally, he cynically says. But it's not even about cynicism. It's about the way men and power work and women in power too, because there are women like Kelly Leffler and many others who do the same things. This is not even gendered so much, even though it's men that obviously are the drivers of all of this. I guess my point is, we deserve a whole lot damn well better than this. Don't you think? Georgia voters, I think, will be taking some real positive steps forward. And I hope that they make it count. Because in England, at least, it's going to be a few more years before you get to register your feelings and thoughts at the ballot box. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.